Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey, this is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie. And if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. We also have an Instagram, I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Facebook group. Uh, it's just a closed group, but if you send me a request, I'll add you. It's kind of just a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films judgment-free, and my only rule is keep it positive. And also, if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps new listeners find us. Um, and my last plug I want to give is at the end of this month, we are going to have a panel at DragonCon. We'll be discussing Alien live. Uh, it'll be Saturday, August 31st at 10 a.m. in the Hilton at Galleria 6. So either join us at DragonCon or if not, we will put out an episode on that. But, you know, be boning up on that movie before that comes out. Um, and with that, I have a new guest with me here today. I have Rob. Say hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. and rob um why don't you introduce yourself a little bit as a new guest to our show as a new guest i feel like i need to say a long time listener first time caller uh (laughs) rob myers from uh the uh robin everyone loves the drake comic podcast um if he's wearing a yellow cape and he's got a a domino mask and an r on his shirt uh, i am your guy (laughs) nice Uh, so we're uh, gearing up for our 100th episode so it's kind of pinching pinching my arm a little bit going wow we've I've almost done a hundred of these so we've been going through the 90s 2000 uh, classic uh, basically Chuck Dixon run of the character and then he left around issue 100 but we're going through all of that and then branching out to other appearances that uh, the Tim Drake character has made through you know the rebirth era and what he's doing in Young Justice so that's kind of our our shtick in the podcast world and uh and you can find us uh, at ELTD podcast on or at ELTD on Twitter and uh, uh, Facebook and uh, and all that stuff. Just find some variation of Robin. Everyone loves the Drake and uh, a little uh, peek that I'm a big Seinfeld fan. So uh, the, <laughs> I the noticed na- that. <laughs> yeah. So the, the name comes from a uh, a Seinfeld uh, episode where they're you know buying the TV for the guy you know the Drake. So that's our. I thought what a cool name. So uh, that's it. Kind of stuck. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was just listening to your show today, and I, I heard that, that you were getting up to 100. And you guys do audio dramas too, right? Yeah, well, that <laughs> that was my <laughs> weird brainchild. So two years ago during, if you're reading current DC Comics Rebirth, there was this story called A Lonely Place of Living that was hearkening back to Tim Drake's origin. I got so caught up and wrapped, wrapped up, and I thought this would be really cool 
And I've always been a sucker for radio dramas as a kid. You're listening to like the Fisher Price, you know, when you hear R2-D2 beep, turn the page. So I was always getting that stuff as a kid and even just more modern um, like books on tape I would listen to. So I really got fascinated with, you know, audio editing and video editing. I thought, I wonder if I could do something like it. So I did a little treatment and I originally thought, well, I'll just do this on my own and I'll act out some voices and that'll be that. So when I started telling some other podcasting friends and they were like, oh, I'll do a voice, I'll do a voice. So then it became this thing that I have over 200 hours of editing for four episodes oh my of, gosh. of a podcast. So yeah, I one episode has uh, 45 separate tracks, be it audio, sound, wind, voices. So yeah, that was quite an undertaking. And then I sent that to the writer, James Tynan IV, as like, hey, you know, this is something I did. And he said, oh, I'd love to be on your show. So <gasps> episode uh, 70, not, excuse me, uh, yeah, 75 of the show, you can hear the interview uh, with James Tynan. That's so, amazing. So I think I, it's 71, 2, 3, and 4, and he was on for the 75th episode. So That's so cool. I met him this past year at a fan expo, so oh, cool. it's really neat. He's so nice. Yeah, super, super nice guy mm -hmm. and uh, was real you know, appreciative of what we did, and we got to hear some behind-the-scenes things that were, were going on. And uh, a friend of the podcast, uh, Michael Bailey, I was listening to, he did uh, the voice of uh, Jor-El in the radio drama, a uh, big Superman podcaster. And he was just talking about uh, going to Dragon Con. And he's there every year, usually hosts some uh, Superman panel. So hearing you say oh, very cool. you're going to Dragon Con, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, the worlds are kind of colliding <laughs> podcast-wise. That's so cool. And I think um, my introduction, well, you know, I, I had heard of Tim Drake and I've seen him in a few of the comics that I read, but when I decided to read about him, mm -hmm. uh, the Chuck Dixon books are what I started with. So I feel like I did a good thing oh, yeah. from listening to your, the description of your yes, podcast. Yes. So, yeah, <laughs> as you can tell, if you're listening, um, you know, superheroes come up a lot on this show. <laughs> There's some crossover with that. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, Rob, thank you right. so much for taking the time to come here today and talk about this movie. Uh, my guests always pick the movie. So I'm going to let you go ahead and intro what movie we're talking about today. It's not superhero based, but it does feature somebody that if you make him angry, he might turn green. Uh, Just Like Heaven, starring uh, Mark Ruffalo and uh, the lovely Reese Witherspoon. I, I have yet to see a movie where I don't like her in. Uh, this is where I first discovered Mark Ruffalo. Uh, the peacoat that he wears in the movie, after watching it, I had to go and buy a peacoat. I didn't even know what the jacket was <laughs> that he was wearing. I remember... I took a still from it and showed my mother. I'm like, what is this? I like this type of jacket. I was like, is it a trench coat? So um, telling uh, telling some friends that I was doing the show, like, oh, what superhero movie are you picking? And I'm like, I'm not. I I like chick flicks. You know, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for give me a bowl of popcorn and a romantic movie. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say I cry, but sometimes, you know, your eyes get a little misty, you know, just because, you know, the heat and air conditioning. No, I'm, I'm a sucker. I, I'll cry at the drop of a hat. I just I love these these type of movies. And, uh, you know, going through your episodes, your podcast, I'm like, oh, if I ever got on the show, what would I pick? And instantly my wife's like, you're going to pick just like heaven. I know you. Yeah. that's So this movie came out in 2005. Did you see it in theaters? No, I did not. Okay. Um, I remember seeing the uh, trailers for it and I had wanted to, but I was 
hadn't met my wife at the time, so I thought, I don't know if I want to go to a rom-com by myself. So <laughs> I, I waited for home video, and I watched it in the privacy of my, of my house. <laughs> oh, gotcha. So I think if you've heard some of the podcast, you'll know that this is a weak area for me. Like, ironically, I don't really watch a lot of rom-coms, and historically, I haven't enjoyed them. I think I was... I don't know. It's almost like I had something to prove because I think that there's a stigma attached to them a little bit like, you know, like, oh, you like chick flicks, so you don't like real movies. And, you know, (laughs) I'm realizing looking back on how ridiculous that is. You know, it's just another movie genre like anything else. And so I've been a lot more open minded, but there is so much that I've missed because I stubbornly wouldn't watch these. So Mm -hmm. I have not seen this movie. I had not seen it until I watched it the other night. So I'm walking into it brand new. Yeah. Um, I guess before we get started too much further, uh, I'll read a really quick synopsis and then I'll jump into kind of like our quick facts. It's literally a sentence. This isn't like a long winding movie. It's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. So I have um, a lonely landscape architect falls for the spirit of a beautiful woman who used to live in his new apartment. That's that's the movie. I, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I know. I, I like I like the uh, synopsis that are like really short because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it gives us a lot to talk about. We'll expand upon that. Um, <laughs> the first quick fact that I had was just that uh, the producers bought the rights to the novel without having read the original French book after yeah. receiving a proposal with like a rough outline of the story. And Which that I th- yeah. thought that was really kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that you're going to buy a script for the movie and not even a, a it's in French, but B not even go to the, the source material. So I, I think that kind of speaks at least for me volumes of what, what they, what they saw. They must've really liked. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. I think they just liked the concept, you know, they, mm-hmm. they felt like there was a lot they could explore with it. Um, I had that David and Elizabeth's apartment building is really about six stories tall But the view from the roof is done with CGI, and it's Mm -hmm. one from a much taller building, so they look down on all the buildings that are of similar height. I don't think I noticed that. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but that wasn't, like, glaringly obvious to me or anything. No, I I think it's shot really well. I think Mm -hmm. after multiple viewings of it, I started going, wait a minute, they're a lot higher than when David's, <laughs> David gets the, you know, post-it note stuck to his face and he looks up and it's like, like you said, six stories, but when they're on the top, you can see all of San Francisco. Yeah, I totally didn't even notice that. I bet if, like you said, if I went back and watched it a few times, I, I would probably pick up on it, but it, it looked really seamless. Um, I also read that it was the first feature film to use the Panavision Panflex Millennium XL2 camera, which Mm. is the upgraded version of the Millennium XL. So it's kind of neat. Broke a little bit of ground with that. Yeah. Um, Did you have any other quick things you wanted to to throw in before we kind of jump into the director and all that good stuff? I think this is the last movie Mark Ruffalo had done uh, he got really sick shortly after this movie, and I think he oh. was out of doing feature films for almost three years. Really? What did so, do you know? What he had? And I, I was trying to scroll really fast, oh, okay. and as podcasters, it's always great to have your facts ready. But I, I can't. <laughs> no worries. Maybe as I find it, I'll say, "Oh, by the yeah, way, just you know, pop an, an hour ago." <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fine. I do that all the time. Um, wow, that's that's surprising. I I think you know at this point of his career. He had done. He, I know he mentioned in the behind the scenes like that he wanted to do comedy really badly, mm-hmm. 
And so this was like his first opportunity to do that. Um, he was like, I want to do a little bit of everything. I. It's funny now, it's like, I wonder if he ever imagined being the Hulk, you know? <laughs> like, right, right. He really will run the gamut. Um, the only other like rom-com type movie I've seen him in was uh, 13 Going on 30, which I actually yeah. really enjoyed him in that. And I was like, it, it made here. me see him totally differently. I was like, I really like this sort of like normal nice dude quality he has you know like i mean he's an actor he's a good looking man but he's got this very like comfortable like relaxed demeanor to him i don't know i just really like his vibe in in these movies he does a good job mark ruffalo had a brain tumor oh my god yeah so no idea uh, had his uh lefts are the tumor began but resulted in a period of partial paralysis, facial paralysis. Oh, my God. Wow. So I think at the time that the um, movie was being filmed, he was, I think, coming out of that or mm. it was starting to have effects. So I think he had to go through a bout of surgeries and, and chemo and all that stuff. So that's, that, that's the quick little thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. Um. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> this movie's lighter than that than that than the real right, life. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, actually about the director, uh, Mark Waters. Um, I wasn't familiar with the name like right away, but then when I read about you know some of the movies he'd done, like Mean Girls is probably yeah. the most famous one, and then Freaky Friday, the 2003 reboot of that. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that sort of. There's like a, a warm sort of lightheartedness to his movies, I think that comes through in this one, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so we already mentioned Reese Witherspoon. She plays Elizabeth, and she does a great job, obviously. She's awesome in everything. I feel like they picked her for this role because of the way she carries herself in movies like uh, Legally Blonde or, yeah. you know... Uh, Sweet even in Home Alabama. Yes, yes. Or... or uh, I loved her in Election, although I haven't seen that in years, but I think that was probably oh, wow. the first time a... I yeah, saw yeah. her. Yeah, she was, like, young in that one. She's playing a high school student. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, with that, like, there's a few other actors I kind of want to touch on, but I feel like we should probably jump into the, like, the, you know, your favorite scenes. Um, so if you kind of want to take the lead and start kind of talking about some of your favorite parts of this movie. The I'll go for some of the, the funny bits that I really like. And I was <laughs> right before we were recording, um, I went, uh, was kind of scrubbing the video and looking through, you know, different parts of it. And the scene where after they have like the, uh, the priest come in, he's doing the power of Christ <laughs> compels you, you know, and then they have like, they refer to the joy luck club comes in and uh, John heaters, like my favorite line, he's sitting on the couch and he's like, I'm 99.9% parched i could really use a cola you know I, <laughs> so like that was funny but a scene that i really like is right after that he goes to the bar and she's trying to tell him you know hey you don't need to go in there and his buddy which we'll probably get into in just a, a little bit she reese witherspoon's character gets inside of mark ruffalo and he's doing this pantomiming as if she's trying to stop him from <laughs> yeah. drinking and his acting in that scene is just, it cracks me up. He's spilling a drink everywhere. And you can almost imagine like her ghostly spirit, which you don't see in camera because she's inside of him, but holding, trying to hold his hand down to the table and he's forcing it back up. But the scene that really gets me 
is it is looks like it's she almost has him by the back the scruff of the neck mm-hmm. so it looks like he's walking on his tiptoes going outside it's a <laughs> it's a very quick scene but it makes me laugh so hard all the time and then just things like some of the subliminal things when he first gets into the apartment and he finds the stairway going upstairs a la heaven if you will mm-hmm. uh, the the ray of sunlight is coming down so he goes up there and that's what leads him to want to take the apartment and the ray of sunlight then foreshadows towards the end of the film when she is walking uh, into it, when she's spoilers, quote unquote, alive again and, and, and walking among us. So I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, John Heater's uh, interaction uh, throughout the film, whenever he's walking by, it's like he can censor, but yeah. not censor. Uh, I noticed that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, the the scene in the hospital, um, that's that's probably where I might shed a tear, is when <laughs> you know when his buddy says, you know, one day not not too far from now, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I don't want to hear crap from you. Like I'm going <laughs> to hide a I want to hide a dead body or something. But where they're trying to wheel her through the hospital, and the not the IV, but the the life support mechanism gets pulled off of her and you know you hear you know flatline and they don't have that moment to mm. to touch one another really kind of kind of gets you like they've come so far when she comes out of it he's expecting like oh you know elizabeth it's me and she has no recollection of who he is and what's going on and she recoils from him and you just kind of go oh man they're of course it's a romantic comedy you know don't get don't beat yourself up they're going to get together at the end of the <laughs> fl- end right. of the flick but uh I just I love those moments where the movie can be almost slapsticky to a point and and not done in a you know Batman sixty six G golly <laughs> kind of way, but in a moment where the two characters are kind of bantering back and forth and they're wheeling this person through the hospital or just some of the other physical comedy Mark Ruffalo does throughout the movie, but it can bring it down to a nice somber moment, um, just like when Elizabeth is with. Uh, um, David's going to go talk to Elizabeth's sister mm-hmm. and Elizabeth is there and her nieces can see her, but yeah. they're, they're not really interacting with her until one of them says, uh, Annie Elizabeth wants a cookie too and looks directly at her. And you have that moment of like, we need to go. We probably shouldn't be here. This is too much for the kids. So in that little quick moment, then her sister freaks out and wants to go stab him <laughs> with a knife. So th- those are some of some of the ones that I, I really gravitate towards, is like, you know, the funny moments. But I think this movie lands really well on I think what connected for me is is David's loss. And mm-hmm. um, I was sad moment here, like recently divorced and just have that moment of not wanting to get out of myself. I I didn't want to, I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to have somebody put their arm around me and be like, ha ha ha. You know, it tried to, and like the characters were doing the movie to tell David, you need to be among the living. And like, nobody understood that. So I really related with this movie in that way. I could see myself and the Mark Ruffalo character going, you know, it's some type of depression is really, it's really personal and serious to the person that's dealing it. And everybody outside thinks, Oh, this is just a switch that you can just turn off. 
and uh, that that just really kind of struck with me and it it started opening up doors of going oh you know this character in a movie even though i realized it was a movie i could say wow there's there is some truth to that there is light at the end of the tunnel so to speak and i just couldn't see it which you know almost from the time that i bought the movie to um meeting my wife was two months Oh, so wow. from, from the time I watched this movie, two months later, I meet my wife who we've been now married 10 years. So it's one of those like once I allowed myself to open up, and I think it was kind of because the movie wire where this movie really sits with me that some people may kind of blow it off. But certain movies really stick with people. And this is one that I go, I can identify with this character that that longing that he had from his past. And once he let that go the future was much brighter. So I know that was probably pretty deep. What, what are your favorite scenes? And I went down a whole other no, road there. That's great. Um, you know, I, I, I was just thinking while you were talking about this, and I've been thinking about it since I saw the movie. And um, I'm always looking at specifically romantic comedies under the lens of like, why, you know, why are they called chick flicks? Why do they tend to be predominantly aimed at women and even right. like when I watched the behind the scenes of this one they were talking about how a lot of times it centers completely around uh the female character right and one thing that one criticism I guess I've had about a lot of those types of films is I don't feel like the male character is uh is an equal like they focus so much on the female character that mm -hmm. it's like the male character is very like paper thin his motivations seem to be all about her and like even though i don't like that you know i'm pretty vocal on my podcast about i don't like when female characters are treated that way in movies right. i don't i don't like it either way so it's like it's hard for me to suspend disbelief when i watch a movie that's supposed to be for me but then the guy that the character is in love with is just so paper thin he doesn't have mm -hmm. any of his own motivations you know and so I think what is kind of unique about this particular rom-com is I, I agree with you that uh, Mark Ruffalo's character, David, um, is dealing with some really heavy stuff. And it, you know, it's it's taken seriously, even though the movie is very light and there's, you know, a positive end to all this. Um, he is struggling with real loss and he's grieving and that feels authentic to me in the movie. Yeah. So I could see why that connected with you, a movie that maybe otherwise, you know, you might be like, oh, this is like, I guess, a movie for my wife to watch or something because <laughs> she likes right. this for some reason. It's like this movie, there's something to, to sort of hold on to. And really, the story kind of ends up being more about him almost uh, right. because she's limited to being around when he's around um, and kind of not stuck to the apartment, but she can't like, she can't remember who she is and she can't remember what happened to her. So, you know, for most of the movie, you're kind of going along with his journey. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that's kind of what makes this movie different. And yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Sometimes a movie can have not a huge splash, but depending on where you were when you saw it, it can have a deep connection for you, you know, regardless. So, yeah. And this, I don't want to say it's akin to, but on some level, again, another rom-com, like the notebook, each of those two characters are, are told from like the male point of view, like. Mm -hmm. Even though Mark Ruffalo gets second billing, like you said, in this, it's really his story. And she is there as and she's not paper thin either mm -hmm. as as she starts remembering more like, oh, remembering she's a doctor. Like once they get to the hospital, she starts remembering 
different things she starts remembering her sister so where maybe she's like a one note character at the beginning that we meet her right when she gets her residency announcement has her accident then she's only there for Mark Ruffalo to talk to until they start venturing out together where they both characters start getting on even footing I think that's in like you said the you know oh it's a chick flick type thing there are movies that like you said you would watch um sweet home alabama's one the male character in that while he does have some things going on it's really reese witherspoon's character's story and it's her her journey in this she's an equal part to mark ruffalo's character so i think having just being a guy like yeah movies gotta blow up and i gotta see you know sword <laughs> fights that i can relate to the Mark Ruffalo character in a completely different way than, you know, the quote unquote normal guy movie. So, um, yeah, that's, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, uh, no, I think that's all great stuff. I mean, uh, I'm always thinking about that kind of stuff because, you know, growing up and even as an adult, a lot of the movies that I like have, you know, been called like guy movies, you know, and, (laughs) and people were like, Oh my God, you like, Star Trek or you like this or that how incredible and I'm like well you know I I don't know I I I never thought of them that way but you know this is just what I like and so I'm always examining like why do people like this or why do they not like that why do some women see like the Marvel movies and roll their eyes and why don't they, you know? And so it's kind of like examining like what's different and the ones that they do like what's different about those like it's just something I'm interested in I'm always kind of viewing it that way so yeah, I just thought I just thought that was really neat. But um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when I watched the trailer, I, I don't know if you if you watch things like this, I shouldn't do this. But every time I watch a trailer for a movie, I can't help but make like a prediction. Do you do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes I <laughs> yeah. and lately with some movies like they'll show you a trailer, then you go, well, hey, that scene's not there. Or yeah, you, liked the, that's you true. like the way the dialogue was said. But yeah, usually. I'll watch a trailer and go, all right, I think I can figure out the gist of the plot. And then when it usually rolls around, I'm like, yeah, I wasn't too far off. So I, I try <laughs> not to. Yeah. So usually it's like, all right, one trailer. I, I don't want to sit and watch, you know, the Batman versus Super trailer 27 times and fit, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like when I was watching the trailer for this one, you know, right away, I was making a prediction in my mind. I'm like, OK, I don't think she's really dead because yeah. that would be too sad. I was like, so it's a dream maybe. And then as and then I was thinking, or I, I did think maybe she's in a coma and all of this isn't a dream. And Mark Ruffalo's the doctor. Like I was kind of trying to guess <laughs> what the movie was going to be about, which I'm glad I was wrong because I don't like my idea sounds like, I don't know, a Twilight Zone episode. So yeah. I, you know, which I love, but doesn't really fit this genre. So I'm kind of glad it wasn't what I thought it was. And I like, you know, early on, I was like, "Ooh, I know, I know what's going on. But it wasn't like super predictable to where I could tell from the trailer exactly what was going to happen. And I thought that was refreshing. <laughs> yeah. And I think I was right along the same line. I thought like we clearly saw her drive towards the semi truck or not that made it sound like she was committing suicide, but you know, <laughs> yeah. like the, the, the truck it happened was so fast though, by the way, in the movie, yeah. you're like, Oh, it's happening now. Like I, right. I, I don't know. I didn't expect it. <laughs> yeah. You don't get a chance to like, Oh, let me get to know this character. Nope. That was literally uh seven minutes of the movie. Um, but you start, I did think like, Oh, please don't let this be all in her head that this is a, a, the guy she 
was supposed to meet, which <laughs> Jacob's I, I, ladder scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> She's going to wake up and then you're like, oh, you've got to go find this guy. So I like it that it did play into the coma part, but mm-hmm. you don't realize that till we're down to the last, the last act where they realize her body's there. So you can see her looking at herself and you're like, Oh, she's having an out of body experience. And then you start going, well, how's she going to get back in her body? You know? So I I was glad that I was kind of right, but I was like you, I was pleasantly surprised that, Oh, it wasn't a, a Jacob's ladder twist. Like, Nope. Sorry. It's wrong. It's Dallas. This was all a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was glad because, uh, yeah, I just, I was worried that it was going to be like that. And then I thought that her not remembering who she was, I mean, if she's in a coma, that's logical, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I thought that that made a lot of sense and it, it, it lets the plot of the movie, I think, flow a little bit better. Yeah. I, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that it, it made at a certain point, like I stopped guessing as the movie was going from having watched the trailer where I'm like, I can't figure out now how she's there. Cause mm-hmm. everything seemed to be going in real time. Once you see the sister and then you hear the story of, you know, there was a car accident and, you know, they're signing papers to pull her off life support. I went, Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, her sister. <laughs> her and Daryl. Or not Daryl. Uh, what was this? Jack. 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 Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The guy that she kissed right before she got married. I was and like, that's a pretty huge, dirty secret, man. That's like, uh, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's heavy. And that uh, a quick one-liner with Jack at the bar that, you know, when david's out and he's like you're not gonna think on me like you did last time that these two were supposed to have met up when she was on her way from the hospital and david finked out probably because the death of his wife at the time was still really fresh and decided oh they weren't he he didn't want to go so he would have stood reese witherspoon's character up which i thought that was a neat little twist but it wasn't like they said it once and one time only. So if you weren't really paying attention, you didn't, you know, pick up on it. They weren't like, you know, there was that one time two years ago where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And also I think it's a good wrap up because, you know, as we were getting towards the end, I I was like, okay, where does fate really come into all this? Like mm-hmm. why were these two supposed to meet? And so, you know, finding out that connection that he stood her up or she stood him up by or he stood her up. Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He okay. Stood, yeah, yeah. Okay. He would not. He, he didn't end up going to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I got confused. I think I thought they were supposed to meet on the night of the accident. Yes. Yeah. They were going to meet on the night of the accident. She was on her way because remember, like her sisters made the lasagna and uh-huh. she's like, okay, I'll. I'm a running a little late. And she says, oh, by the way, you know, your date's running late, too. So, oh, so don't okay, worry. Okay. I and think again, that's the part I missed. Okay. Yeah. The, she makes, her sister makes one mention of it. And then Jack makes uh, one uh, mention of it. Or Harvey Bullock in this case. Yeah. Right away. I was like, isn't that the guy from Gotham? And in <laughs> yeah. fact, like a couple years ago, his daughter, like, tragically went missing. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't see a follow-up. So before we recorded, I Googled that. 
you know, just to see how that was going. And um, looks like they found her and she's been back home and she's okay, which thank God. Like when oh, I wow. saw I, that I news, did not I hear like, the oh, conclusion no. of that. Wow. Yeah. And it didn't give a lot of details, understandably, but I'm just glad that they found her. That's yeah. horrifying. So, um, yeah, I recognized him from there. He's also in Sons of Anarchy, too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember of. the show he was on. Um, oh, the yeah, early... there was another one. You're yeah. right. I'll think of it. Yeah, we'll think of it like, okay, that's <laughs> it. Thanks, folks. Uh, that, that was a show we liked quite a bit and enough that I don't remember. The name right. Which, it was great, name, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when you were talking about John Heater earlier, too, um, this was like a year after Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. He looks so much older. I feel like the quirkiness of the Napoleon character made him seem like an actual teen, you know? <laughs> but mm -hmm. I think he was a lot older. But um, yeah, so he was just like coming off that. So that's pretty interesting. Um, and the, uh, the other face that I noticed too was uh, Rosalind Chow, uh, who plays uh, Fran. Uh, yeah. She was Keiko on DS9, and she was also in the Joy Luck Club, which they name drop in this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so interesting. And, you know, there. at one point she's putting on, you know, like some concealer because they've all been staying up really late. And uh, Reese Witherspoon says, so you're going with the kabuki makeup, which I was like, oh, that's a nice little pull there to, <laughs> you know, to the Joy Luck Club and what they were wearing and stuff. So I thought that was really clever. Yeah, yeah. For a second, it, it took me a minute to understand that. I was like, hmm, that's interesting she said that. And then when I realized that, I was like, oh, because she looks, you know, older in this movie because, mm -hmm. you know, DS9 was a lot before this. So I think I hadn't really seen her in a lot of stuff after that. In my mind, she's Keiko. And so that's the, right. you know, that's the age that I keep her at in my brain. So it took <laughs> me a minute to realize who she was. But yeah. And I think it took a couple viewings before. You know, this is before IMDb got you know, <laughs> pretty popular um, that I was like, why do I know her? And I saw a DS9 episode, you know, a year or so later. And I'm like, oh, that's who that is. And I went back to the movie and I'm like, I don't know how I didn't how I didn't pick that up. Yeah, I was like then. a huge DS9 fan. And I really loved the Joy Luck Club. That's that's like one of my favorite movies, too. I really like that film. Yeah. Uh, what were some, I'm going to ask you a question. What oh, yeah. was uh, some uh, standout uh, parts of the movie that, that you liked or that kind of maybe resonated with you? Um, so, you know, I, I thought they did a really good job in this movie of handling, I, I think, you know, there were some jokes about Reese Witherspoon's character having some cats. And I feel like it's sort of a, a trope in romantic comedies, like your life's not complete until you're married and have kids, you know? And like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's something tricky to sort of play around with because on some level, you know, they're, she's like, they're like, she didn't have a life. And I'm like, me being very practical, I'm like, well, she's a doctor and she like saves lives. Like that's <laughs> right. pretty cool. But I do understand the point of the movie is that, yes, all those accomplishments are very important. And they make a point of pointing that, that out in the movie. They're like, you are like a very strong person. You're very smart. And it's incredible that you save lives. But you should be able to think about you too. Like you should have some time for yourself. And she had put herself off. And mm -hmm. I think that that is something that resonates with probably all of us in this day and age of like, it's all go, go, go. And I'm going to yeah. get to that later. And I, I definitely identify that a little bit because I feel like 
in the um, maybe in like the mid to later part of my 20s, I was like that. I had a position where I was very busy and I missed a lot of, I mean, I missed some weddings. I missed, um, you know, baby showers and things like that. And I had to make a decision. It was like either my job or that. And at the time, I really, I had to go with my with my job. I mean, I just, I depended on it. And then my job kind of changed. And once it changed uh, to another position, I made the decision to stop traveling for work. It's like weird to look back on that time and, and feel mm-hmm. like I missed out on a lot of things that I wanted to be a part of. So um, my perspective really changed. So I can kind of, you know, understand this character and how she feels because I... I think I felt the same way. Like I can put this stuff off and I'll handle it later. And now I'm realizing like, you know, if you miss like a baby shower or a bridal shower or something, you don't really get that time back. Yeah. And so it's made me really think about like, well, how do I want to spend, you know, my time on earth because you never know. And so I, I think that's a theme that I really like that they explore in the movie. And they do it, I feel like, in a compassionate way. It's not cartoonish. Yeah. It doesn't make her seem like the bad guy for doing it. She's not like Scrooge, you know, <laughs> that right, yeah. comes to a realization at the end. Uh, she's a good person. It's just that she wasn't giving herself permission to have her own free time. And so I liked that. Um, I liked... Because, you know, it, it took me a while to realize, oh, yeah, we don't even know what David does because he yeah. <laughs> he's he's just like uh, drinking too much and sad and stuff. So he doesn't have we don't hear a lot about his career. We're only hearing Hulk about sad. how he feels. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we find out he's like a landscaper at first, like it didn't connect right away. I was like okay. I mean, that's cool, I guess. You know, like I was kind of like, where are they going with this? And then I forgot that she had talked about wanting to have a garden on a roof. Yeah. And she says, you know, if I had the time, I'd do it. So I thought that was a great end cap at the end uh, when she goes up there and it's it's all ready for her. And, you know, they're there together. And I, I think I, I kind of also like that when she woke up, she's like, oh, who are you? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and that they need time to sort of get to know each other again. I, I kind of liked that, too. Yeah. And I liked the little like a movie that you revisit over and over again, you pick up little things here or there. Uh, Just going through it uh, tonight before we recorded, um, when David gets on the roof for the very first time and the the property realty, like I like the whole thing about like David's not comfortable um, Mm -hmm. on the couch, which you can get into like the metaphor, like each one of these couches, this one is rigid and it's very modern and, um, you know, there's no real back to the couch and one he sinks really down in like he's constantly not comfortable. Nothing is fitting with his own life, i.e. his couch until he sits in, you know, Elizabeth's couch. And that kind of feels right. But when he goes up to the stairs um, and the realtor is trying to talk to him, like, oh, look at the view. And like David's doing a little something and the realtor thinks, oh, yet again, because throughout the opening scene where we meet David, they're looking at place after place after place. And David is dumping a potted plant of water into like this tree that looks like it's all but dead. Oh, wow. I did not notice that. That's like your first little hint, which I took it as two. Like he's trying to bring life back into something that is all but dead. But the last plant that David is watering upstairs when Elizabeth comes up to the top to get the key, 
is that potted plant. And now that potted plant has bloomed and he sets it right back down in the very spot that he picked it up from when we first meet David the very first time. So I think it's like going both ways that this, this was originally her plant, but David helped bring it back to life. And now this is a brand new thing that has blossomed because these two people have met. So that's probably really deep, but no, um, I, I really like that. And, and because I had the really shallow thought, I think at first, like when we find out he's a landscaper, I was like, huh, he's a landscaper and she's a doctor. I was like, I don't, that doesn't seem, that seems like a weird match, mm -hmm. but then it's like they're balancing each other because, you know, I think what he does is, um, kind of meticulous and mm -hmm. you know it takes a lot of planning it's not fast to do and uh it's more you know there's more zen to it i think you yeah. know being around nature and being around life and and then contrast that with what she's doing and it's you know i i'm sure she's around life too when people have babies but there's also death and there's illness and like it's high stress and so you know, when you're living that lifestyle, like you said, she let her plant die because she just doesn't have any time left in her life to nurture anything else. And so he kind of can fill that void for her. And I think, you know, maybe traditionally those roles would be kind of flipped and that may be also yeah. why I didn't pick up on it right away. <laughs> um, and so I, I kind of liked that about it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I keep saying I really like Mark Ruffalo in the film too because I... I feel like a lot of times we touched on like his character, I think has more nuance and everything, but also he's just so like, he has some emoting parts where he gets riled up, but yeah. he's very chill by comparison to her. And I think yeah. they complement each other. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this really made me uh, fall in love with Mark Ruffalo as, as an actor. I kind of liked, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's that guy from, you know, whatever that I would have to think on. But after seeing this movie, I wanted to see, what else he was going to do. So once he would eventually land in the MCU, I was like, Oh, that's the guy from uh, just like heaven, you know, <laughs> but some people are like, well, I know him from some other things, Rob, but um, I just really found his character really, um, really entertaining. And it, it felt real. Yeah. You know, the, emotion, the emotions he was portraying didn't feel forced. Like, Oh, he's supposed to be sad about his, his wife. And then, you know, when he's telling the story of how um, she passes away, that she was, you know, swearing at her shoe. You know, she was just going on and on about the shoe. And she has a brain aneurysm and drops. Like, there was, it was in that instant, there was no goodbye. There was no nothing. You could see as he was telling Elizabeth that story that it was really starting to break him. And you could really feel that emotion, I think, in a different actor i don't know if if i would have believed it as much and and then reese witherspoon's character reacts to that as well but i but yeah this this movie made me fall in love with uh mark <laughs> mark yeah. Ruffalo as a man <laughs> and how and you said did he have the tumor before this movie or after i think yeah i think after the movie they had operated on so i think if you really watch his mouth i try to remember what side it it is but I think it's the left side of his mouth is really kind of pursed off and on throughout that he's, it doesn't look, I'm like, why does he always like not opening his mouth? I think it's because this is the early onset 
of that tumor starting to have effect with him. If I have my time, how terrifying to have those scenes where he talks about his wife, you know, having this aneurysm. And then ironically later in, in real life, he's dealing with a brain tumor. Like, I don't know, that must've occurred to him. That's so intense. And, and like they say, you know, you, you draw on from real experiences. So I think, knowing that you know knowing that after the fact and rewatching the movie i think when he's talking about death at it, certain parts of this movie i i go is he talking about himself like you know yeah it, you're right it comes across very intense i noticed that watching the movie like more so than her reactions yeah yeah so like i said yeah there was a don't quote me i'd have to look at google but i think there's like a 3 year gap between he might have done like one more movie uh, but there was a gap of time where he he hadn't done anything. And I think right around the time of the MCU, he started, you know, doing smaller parts until he got cast as the Hulk. Wow. Well, I remember when they cast him as the Hulk, I think I had seen 13 going on 30 by that point. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting direction to take that character. Like somebody that's extremely likable and like, yeah, like so a guy from rom-coms, basically. I was like, huh. So I, I always instantly liked his character more. The Hulk is not really a character that I have a ton of affinity for, personally. Yeah. I didn't really read those kind of comics, and I always kind of thought of him as more of like a, you know, just he just wasn't as like important to me. But I think that he brings a lot of heart to that character that wouldn't otherwise be there without him. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, looking at, not to get into the MCU, but you look at <laughs> <laughs> the ed norton's hulk and mark ruffalo like i'm like oh ed norton's a hulk like oh i mean i enjoyed the movie it was okay and when they recast mark ruffalo i'm like oh that's gonna be weird seeing a different actor i now forget that edward norton was originally the hulk because mark ruffalo again that's my man crush but you know (laughs) he had had done such a good job with that character in just one avengers movie that now i can't imagine anybody else yeah. Being the Hulk. And again, I thought the Hulk was a one note, you know, Hulk smash character. And um, again, I think it's due to uh, the, the type of actor that Mark Ruffalo is. No, I completely agree. I think with Edward Norton, it, it's a little too on the nose. It's like, well, we know that guy's angry and, uh, you <laughs> <Right>. know, <laughs> like it's not a shock. It's not as endearing, you know, and I think uh, that's yeah. a spin that the MCU has been really good at is finding these actors where it's almost like I've heard people say this and I think it's true that we we like those characters because of the actors. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, with Iron Man, it's like really it's uh, it's RDJ that you're attaching to. And I right. think all of them are kind of like that. They bring their personality to it in a big way so that some of these characters that either are one note or maybe people haven't heard of, it doesn't even matter because you like these actors or just likable people. And so you kind of, it makes it easier to slip into that world. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think it's unavoidable to not, you know, to talk about the MCU with Mark Ruffalo in the movie. <laughs> right, so yeah. I, I'm fine with tangents. <laughs> we've talked about comics like two or three times, so, you know, yeah, with Gotham that's... with Donald Logue, too, so. Yeah, don't hate the player, hate the game, sorry. <laughs> Man, it's the world we live in, okay? Like, they're everywhere, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, did you have any other, like, themes in the movie you wanted to touch on or any other scenes? Um, no, I think we... I, at least for me, I think we covered like a, a lot of the uh, the big ones uh, that I enjoyed. Um, uh, one other uh, scene it happens very quick at the very beginning when we meet 
um, about said Abby, um, Elizabeth, that she, again, another thing, if you blink, you'll miss it. She is sitting in the garden when she like is falling asleep and she's imagining herself in this tranquil, you know, garden. It's that garden that they visit um, oh. as they're going around and where she's like, oh, I've been here before. It's in her dream. And then Mark Ruffalo, his character, creates uh, a miniature version of that on uh, uh, on a on a rooftop. So oh, uh, that, that was a nice little that. callback. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, I remember she said I dreamed about it, and I thought, when did that happen? I you know I kind of forgot about it. So I think and that's I think probably on a second viewing. Yeah, and I think it's during the opening title sequence while they're putting up. Um, the, all the characters' names, and she's constantly getting cups of coffee. Um, that's I, that. I sorry, that actually happens right before she uh, wakes up. So, from oh, her, okay. Uh, um, from her from her sleep when they said, "Hey, doctor, you've got a patient." Then they start all of the. That's uh, like the cold opening of the movie. But, oh, okay, okay, yeah. So I guess you're not really, you're not thinking about that then. You know, you're not. Yeah. You're not putting things together yet because the the accident hasn't happened yet. Right. Yeah, I get it. Very cool. Um, well, yeah, I guess then we've come to the end. Um, so I'll ask you the last couple of questions then. Let's go for it. All righty. Uh, so, you know, what, what keeps you coming back to this film? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? Cause I'm a sucker. No, uh, <laughs> I, I like the message and you touched on this earlier of uh, like not looking for the forest through the trees type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not getting so caught up in your your day to day routine and putting like oh I'll I'll call my friend I haven't seen in a, in a couple weeks I'll call him later I've got a busy week like taking those little moments that y- you don't know when this moment is your last moment like not to be somber but is is this the last podcast I'm ever going to record you know ty- <laughs> <laughs> type of thing or you know when you're planning out your day, leave little moments to have that breath of, you know, not, not waiting for tomorrow to do that little thing. Even if it's something as simple, like, Oh, I'll mow the yard tomorrow. You know, the thing that you stop today to do to mow the yard, what is that going to propel you to do that you might have not have done otherwise. And at, at a time where I was longing for some type of relationship, like, Oh, why can't I meet a girl like that? And I'm like, okay, I don't really want a ghost, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want a girl here for just a little bit and then she could poof, disappear. No. Um, and then now being on the other side of it and the first movie my wife and I watched was this movie. I was like, have you seen just like heaven? She's like, no. And I was, as soon as I said Reese Witherspoon, she was like, oh, I love Reese Witherspoon. And we watched it together and we were, this is a movie that the both of us now we go back to from time to time, uh, and watch periodically and we end up quoting if one of us won a soda that one of us will say I'm 99.9% parched you know John Heater's little (laughs) comment and I think in this crazy world that we're living in sometimes having a movie about life and uplifting and taking those moments that are really precious and kind of holding on to them um, I just it, it hits me in a way that this is my go to my feel movie when and it's not the oh, I just want to put a movie on. that's just noise in the background. This is something when I sit down, I want to watch it. I don't want the phone to ring. Um, it's just it's that feel good movie. And 
and now I don't watch it without my wife because we want to watch it together. So a, a movie that started for me privately that now is something that we both talk about with other people, like especially again, going back to superheroes, talking about Mark Ruffalo. My, my mother was like, Oh, I really liked Mark Ruffalo's the Hulk. I'm like, have you seen just like heaven? No, <laughs> check this movie out. She's like, I love that movie. And I'm like, I know. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I think I like that this movie has like a balance because, you know, like, as I told you that story earlier about how, you know, I, felt like my life got too busy and you know it's not like in this movie she uh she's very busy as a doctor but you don't get the sense at the end that she's like I quit I'm not going to be a doctor anymore you know what yeah. I mean like and I, I don't like it when movies do that because you know a I don't think it's realistic and right. and b I think you know like for me you know yeah I, I did kind of stop traveling but I didn't like quit my job you know like yeah. I think it's there's a difference between making room in your life and then you know abandoning and taking a hard left and I, I i think i like the idea that the movie sets up the idea that she can have both and that yeah. it's okay to to treasure both those things to take pride in her work but also to make time for herself it's not like a pick one or the other and um yeah i liked that you picked this movie because you know uh i i like picking movies sometimes that are a little bit lighter and like like you said full of hope and you can enjoy and share with people and it's not like i like i feel like i could recommend this movie to pretty much anybody you know mm. and they could get into it so i like that about it uh what's your uh, elevator pitch for the movie like how do you how did you describe it to to your mother-in-law uh, what i ended up saying was um i'm trying to remember even how i said that now i said this <laughs> this is it's I'm trying to get my words twisted here. It's it's about trying to find the balance between life and death and not putting things off. And the actually the, the quick elevator pitch would be guy meets girl, but girl's not real. And guy has to find himself to meet the girl. Ah, I like it. How about that? Yeah. Very good. I don't think I have one to match that. <laughs> I'd probably be like, Mark Ruffalo's in it and Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> yeah. I, for most people, you just say Reese Witherspoon. They'll be like, oh, okay. And then like, I'm Hulk bored. smash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think one good way to push it, push it is that, um, you know, it, it does seem like a rom-com that guys and girls can kind of enjoy equally. Yeah. Which I like. Again, I think that's a pretty big selling point because... Uh, I think a lot of a lot of rom coms tend to lean one way or the other, usually uh just as a chick flick. So yeah. I, I, I don't even know that this counts as a chick flick, honestly. I think it's kind of it's a little bit more in the middle. I yeah. think that's probably why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, like you said, the, yeah. the director was going for something a, a little different as mm -hmm. well and you can really kind of feel that through throughout the movie that it it's you can you can place it here if you're going to the video rental or now on uh, Netflix <laughs> and find out, <laughs> find out where this is categorized. But I think you could really slide this movie around in a couple, couple different genres. And I think it would kind of fit. It's not an action movie or anything like that, but I wouldn't put it in the tear jerker side, you know, or anything like that. But yeah, I think it just, it works. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you picked it. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you good. enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob, uh, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me a couple different ways. If you want to find me, Rob, you can find me on Twitter at DrummerRob10. So I also bang on the cymbals and drums from time to time. And uh, if I'm not talking about drums, it's usually superheroes. But if you want to follow my podcast, I've got uh, Robin Everyone Loves a Drake, and we're on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We have a sister show called Everyone Loves Young Justice, and that's about the Young Justice comic book that Tim Drake is in. And uh, then I'm on uh, Facebook at Everyone Loves the Drake, and we're on Twitter and uh, our Twitter. We're on Instagram as well. So some version of the Drake, and you can find us. Awesome. Well, you're going to have to come back, and you're going to have to think about the next movie you want to talk about. So. I, I would glad to be back, and we'll have to make some room for you. I call it the Drake House, and we'll find a, a nice... Uh, Tim Drake, maybe a Stephanie Brown or a Tim Drake, Barbara Gordon story for you. Ooh, uh, I would to, love to... that. Yeah, that would be so fun. I would love, I love talking about comic books. It's like, there's not enough people in my life, honestly, that I can talk to them about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I love going on podcasts or chatting with people on Twitter. That's like, that's my safe haven. That's where I get to yes. kind of get it all out. So I would yeah. very much appreciate that. And when you find that person, it's like, you like comics too? Cool. I got a whole box full of them. And yeah. then you find that person that likes movies and music and comics. It's like, oh, man, sit down. Let's just open up the world and play with all these wonderful toys. Exactly. Yes. Well, awesome. Um, well, thanks again, Rob, and, and have a good one. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.